Hello and welcome to the Hoosie Podcast with me, Phil. In this series of special podcasts, we'll be talking about the Doctor's companions, assistants, mates or fam if you will. And each episode, I'll be talking to a very special guest about a companion of their choice and discuss topics such as the companion's impact on Doctor Who and why fans connected or perhaps did not connect with that particular member of the TARDIS crew. My guest this time is a returning guest to the show. It is James Rockcliffe. Welcome back, James. Thank you very much, Phil. Hello and hello, everybody. Hello, indeed. Right, OK, so we are here to discuss um, a companion of your choice, aren't we? Mm. So, um, and you've selected Adric. Yeah, I was just being difficult. I didn't realise you were going to say, yeah, come on in, let's, let's spend an hour or so speaking about Matthew Waterhouse's portrayal of Adric. But, uh, but here we are. Here we are, here we are. So, I'm going to put you on the spot then, James. Why Adric? It seemed like a good suggestion when I saw your question on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not a good idea at the time, um, is what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, no in, in all honesty, I've, I've never really understood all of the vitriol and the, the hate for Adric and uh, the, you know, the quick quips about how bad he was. Um, because, I, I mean, I remember growing up as a Doctor Who fan, I was, let me think, 1980, Adric started uh, or came into the story. Yeah. Um, so I was eight, eight to ten years old. Um, and he was okay. He, di- <laughs> he didn't... <clears throat> Excuse me, he didn't come across as immediately terrible. Um, I think as I watch his portrayal or Waterhouse's portrayal as I get older, I sometimes think, yeah, a little bit wooden. Um, but I remember at the time thinking he was just another companion and he wasn't any better or worse than the others. And I'm not quite sure whether or not that's a good thing or whether perhaps the standard of acting and performance from all of the 80s <laughs> companions wasn't particularly high in the first place. <laughs> well, I do seem to remember at the time it was it was quite a big a big thing. There was another, um, for a first one, a long time, there was a male companian on the TARDIS. Mm. Uh, I think the first since Harry Sullivan, I believe. I seem well, to... It depends. How about canine? Canine's got to be male, isn't he? Oh, I suppose you could get away with that. I'm not entirely sure. I'm not <laughs> certain of that actually. But um, yeah. no, no, I, I do. I do. I, one thing I do remember is Matthew Waterhouse appearing on an episode of Top of the Pops. Now, oh, right. now okay. I I can't remember um, who was presenting because if it, if it was. Well, it's two DJs that <laughs> that they now no longer will show on television. It could have been what it could have been one of that one of them, um, but I, I'm not going to name them for obvious reasons. Um, but I remember it, Matthew Waters just standing there uh, like um, a rabbit caught in, in, in headlights. Really, he just didn't know what he was doing, and and I can't remember if it was just before his debut on television or after his debut. Mm. I cannot remember, but I clearly remember him standing there. Um, Next to this presenter, so yeah, this is Matthew Waterhouse. He's, going, he's on Doctor Who, and and that, and that was it. It, 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 it seems like another J and T style um, bit of self promotion, really. Mm. Yeah, it, it's interesting, isn't it? I think it's quite hard to look at 
Edric as, as a character without the filter of Matthew Waterhouse and everything that's um, everything that's extremely obvious when you watch him at live events and um, you know his, his kind of presence in fandom mm. these days. It's uh, it's quite hard just to look at the performance objectively in its own right now. And you you know, and I think if you if, if you're looking at um, a, a story. And you've got the memory of him appearing on top of the pops as well. <laughs> you know, he's kind of wooden cardboard persona, <laughs> you know, kind of matches the personal appearances of the time as well. And, and, yeah. and certainly even now, I mean, despite the fact that I actually quite enjoy the events where Matthew Waterhouse has been invited and I like hearing his stories, he still doesn't come across particularly genuine. You know, it's, it's it, everything seems to be ratch- ratcheted up to about 11. He's, he's always kind of performing. Yeah. And I, I, I think it's certainly... It, uh, slightly bizarre appearances just kind of feel natural for... Matthew Waterhouse, <laughs> and, um, and, I, and I think certainly if you if you read his extremely bizarre book, I think it's called Blue Box Boy. Um, then again, you, you've got a very very well defined individual there. But um, I, I I do wonder whether or not there's a lot more to to Matthew Waterhouse than we as Doctor Who fans ever saw or, or will get to see. Well, I think the thing about Matthew Waterhouse, he, he comes, you know, he you know obviously he starred in in, in Doctor Who, but he, he's that he's comes that background of being a massive Doctor Who fan himself. Mm. Uh, and he still is. So do, do you think that we you've mentioned sort of like his performance was a little could you know, you now you find it a bit wooden, um, as you've as you've sort of got older. Do you think this could have been so, to the point of view that he was obviously a little bit sort of awestruck that the fact oh. that the fact he was oh my God, I'm on Doctor Who it's plausible, isn't it? But then again, I take—I think if you take a look at Sarah Sutton, you know she's particularly, you know, she's not particularly animated by comparison, is she? She's quite wooden as well. And I, I just think um, something you said earlier on—a a typical JNT companion—I mm. think that that there is a particular kind of JNT companion, and they are all a little bit samey. Um, and I think um, you, you take a look at the the ones that have. Um, lasted in 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 fans affection over the years and it, it it's like you know romana it's the ones who are different because they they stand out a little mm. um but i think the whole of the fifth doctor tardis crew really certainly in the the first couple of years um all kind of blend together and adric is just is just in there i i don't know whether or not he's fandom would have had a major impact on his performance. I think it may have done on his his his, his arrogance or his ego. Um, mm. and, and, and certainly, you hear some of those stories. Of course, many of which have been denied, challenged, reinvented, retold. You know, um, the one about Richard Todd. Oh, I was going to um, say Richard know, Todd. Yeah, stands out, doesn't it? it yeah. out. you know, it's got a degree of plausibility. Uh, you know, and you just think, yeah, I can see this kid who knows everything about Doctor Who, who's clearly very pleased with the fact that he's been cast. Mm. He's gonna, you know, he's gonna give Richard Todd the benefit of his knowledge and experience. You know, it just, <laughs> kind, it just kind of fits. Yes. Um, yes. But yeah, so may, maybe, maybe uh, his fandom had uh, an impact on how he portrayed or how he played the character. Now, now it's funny you, you mentioned sort of like the the um, sort of the fifth Doctor era there, but obviously he was introduced during Tom Baker's last season. Um, yeah. And it's it's quite a, um, as, as we recalled, the um, season 18 Blu-ray box set has just um, been released to the general public. 
um, which I just started to watch. And I understand that sort of Tom Baker wasn't very happy at all during this particular um, season. And it's got quite a, how can I put it, sort of like a, a maudlin air about the whole, the whole season. Really. It does feel like the beginning of the end, if if you see what I mean. It does. I'm not sure whether that's the season. I think that's more to do with Tom Baker's um, disposition. Mm. It seems to hang. I think it hangs over the season <laughs> to a certain degree because you yeah. had he was leaving. Uh, JNT just taken over. It wasn't. I don't think it was JNT's um, idea of a doctor anymore. Um, the whole stylized costume of the Tom Baker didn't like. Um, and then you, but you had Adric introduced in full circle, um, and a lot of people have said that he worked better with the fourth Doctor than he did with the fifth. Mm. Now, yeah. do do you would you agree with that? Um, yes and no. Um, I, I I think the characterization is a complete mess if you look at it through the Space trilogy. Mm. Um, I, I, and I know Andrew Smith was given um, or a list of bullets explaining how this artful dodger in space was was going to um, come into the story and perhaps give, you know, this funereal feeling this mm. season had a bit of a shot in the arm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, um, and I think it perhaps worked in full circle. Um, mm-hmm. He was interesting at least, uh, I think, in that story. Yeah. And then it just kind of went completely... Yeah, it just did a different direction, I think, and I, I think people just started writing for him as just another, another companion. But I don't know. I, I I think he worked extremely well with the Fourth Doctor in the first two episodes of Logopolis, and uh, yes. you mentioned yeah. you mentioned the um, box set. Have you got as far as Logopolis yet? Not yet. <laughs> but, uh, the funny thing is, I, I I got my box set. It seems to be about a week after everyone else did. So. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> oh dear! It, it, it is quite funny because obviously you're talking about maudlin and an atmosphere, you know, of season eighteen feeling bad, and it does feel like you know, do you know what? If anyone is going to be the very last to receive something that's all sent out at the same time, it's going to be you, Phil. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! But yes, that's, that's, a, that's a shame. Um, but when when you get to that story and you revisit it, or next time you revisit it, yeah, I would suggest. Um, the, the the longer scenes uh, between the fourth Doctor and Matthew Waterhouse uh, are the pinnacle of the Edric era, if mm. I can if I can call it that. Yeah. Um, and it's something that I think made me enjoy episodes three and four of Logopolis less because they were much more master orientated. You know, Tegan turned up for uh, sorry, not Tegan. Nissa, um, Nissa yeah. turned up for for no apparent reason. Um, and of course, you know, Adric was uh, all of the Adric goodness was diluted somewhat. Um, so I think yes, in Logopolis, I think he worked extremely well. And I think, in all honesty, I'd need to go back and watch, you know, Warriors Gate and uh, State of Decay again before before I said actually, yeah, he works better with mm. the fourth than he does with the um, with, with with the fifth. Because I think I think the thing with the um the fifth doctor that time you you had the the trio of Nissa, Tegan and Adric. Um I think Tegan stands out from the other two because um well you're saying you know the 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 compares were a little bit samey. I think she actually stands apart from the other two because the other two were basically geniuses. And I don't think there was room for two geniuses or excluding the doctor. Oh, in the inside the TARDIS, well, so I, feel, so I yeah. think they kind of cancelled each other out to a certain degree. 
It's, it's interesting that you say that. I hadn't really thought about it like that. And I think, uh, yeah, no, I think you're probably right. I, I think if you look at Nissa, yes, she was a genius, but she was also socially naive. And I think in... Um, for to Doomsday, Adric, and it's quite a funny line, uh, calls her a child. He says, yes. you're, not a wo- you're not a woman, you're a child. And I'm thinking, my goodness, what are you, like two months older? I mean, <laughs> I, uh, perhaps Salzarians are much older than they look. I don't think they are. No. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but like whether or not they cancelled each other out, I'm, I'm not certain. Um, I, I just don't think either of them work particularly brilliantly. I th- and mm. with Tegan, you mentioned Tegan. Tegan does stand out because she was the only one who didn't want to be there. She I, actively was trying to get get back home, home yeah, constantly, yeah. Um, and 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 the writers fell back on that Heathrow line way too many times. Um, even when it was explained to Tegan, no, you're in a time machine. You're not going to be late. You're not going to lose your job so long as it gets you back on time. You know, and it just ugh. yeah, I know. They, so, they did drag that one out quite a bit, actually, didn't they? So. <laughs> Fall to Doomsday is particularly prominent in, but um, but she starts losing it completely. Um, I think by the time she gets to time flight, <laughs> she's just yelling at the doctor. So were we. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Quite funny, really. It's funny you mentioned Fall to Doomsday because I've, I've recently watched that one, um, <clears throat> and it seems to be sort of a bit of a common a sort of a trait they gave Adric, where the fact that he would quite easily just fall in with the bad guy. Mm. And and not for for any sort of deception. He would genuinely just go along with their whatever their plan was. He thought, mm, that, that's yeah. a good idea. Um, it, it, I don't think we'd ever quite seen that with a Doctor's companion before. He was quite he readily sort of um, how can I put it? Um, it just easily led Adric <laughs> to the point of it being well, even more naive than Nissa. I, I feel on certain occasions. I don't know. Naivety came into my mind as well, but I think that might be a bit magnanimous. I mean, <laughs> he, he 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 was he was actively working against the Doctor's plans. I mean, not in a malicious way. No. He just didn't seem to agree with them. I mean, not until Episode Three in Four to Doomsday did this start coming out. Mm. But um, I think it was a, it, it perhaps foreshadowed. Turlow to a degree mm, um you know yeah. the, the next male companion if you skip over comedian and please yeah yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> quite happy to skip over him although big finish have just brought him back from what i understand yes um, john colshaw's doing the voice isn't he or something i understand oh, no, that i didn't know that but it doesn't surprise me um but i would have thought if you're gonna bring comedian back then audio has got to be the best possible medium <laughs> it's the only medium for it. <laughs> yeah the only one in which it could stand a chance of working but um but yeah i i, I don't know i i think um I think Adric, they, they kind of went so far down a marginally interesting line. Yeah, go on, let's, let's make him work against the Doctor's plans actively. And then they pull back and at the end he's all back on side. And mm. I, I don't know. I, I think there's... Oh, actually, I, I, I will go there. There was something that I think you said with um, Martin when you were discussing um, Martha, Martha and yeah. uh, Freema a few weeks ago. And uh, I, I think you both agreed that she was an absolutely fascinating concept and the character. And I, I completely agree with that. Mm. I just think the performances and the scripts completely betrayed that fantastic concept. And it started um, really becoming just more more of the same. And I feel that is probably true with Adric. Uh, mm. Again, you look at the original concept of this artful dodger in space. Uh, which, he ne- which he never was, was he? Not really. No. I mean, he... he he was a stowaway. I suppose you could say that's kind of not straightforward in the way that the Artful Dodger wasn't straight 
forward, but he was well. It was it was far too well spoken in order to play, you know, um, a kind of ruffian from space and a rebel who just happens to be, you know, um, basically Rain Man in pajamas, and it, it's it's <laughs> not. not no, I, I just feel that the whole thing was a lovely idea, uh, but uh, it was it was flawed and almost doomed to mediocrity. But but having said that, you know, it, mediocrity doesn't mean that ten year olds won't cotton on or, or, or latch on to the, mm. that companion. And and I mean, Adric is 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 clearly in my mind um, when I think back to watching these things. Um, when they were transmitted, and I think we'd, I think had we moved from Saturday to midweek, I think we may have I think done. We by had this done point. by that point, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I certainly remember the, you know, watching Doctor Who after school and Adric being, being on it, and uh, you know, it was, it was good, and I, I, I like the fact that there was a big group this time as well. Uh, I like the fact there was another male companion, um, just because it was, you know, unusual. Mm, yeah, and uh, you know, I. So everything I'm saying, which is clearly negative, you know, given that I'm, a, you know, a bloke in my mid forties now, and I look back and it's hard to say yes, that was a fantastic piece of acting when it clearly wasn't. wasn't. But, yeah. Um, yeah. But it doesn't mean that it treads all over my nostalgic affection for the character. No, no, exactly. Um, I, I think just going back to what you said about you know it was it was you know it was a bit of a missed a missed opportunity like like Martha the the, the concept of the character. I mean, yeah. Been an Alzheimer, he was meant to be um, an adaptable species, wasn't he? Because it, obviously they evolved into, um, if, if I'm remembering full circle correctly, it's been a while since I last watched it, they evolve into the Marshmen, don't they? Yeah, well, it's full circle, I yeah, think exactly. it goes. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. yes indeed. So um, that kind of aspect is kind of dropped. I think they make one mention where he sort of hurts his ankle because he, he, he almost becomes like the Susan Foreman of the TARDIS crew. <laughs> If, if anyone's going to fall up and twist their ankle, it was going to be Adric. Um, yeah. And he's the only one who wasn't wearing high heels apart from the Doctor. So, um, <laughs> but but um, I think it was made... Oh, one... The Doctor wasn't wearing high heels. No, that's what I mean. He was the only one who wasn't apart from... Oh, well, yeah, oh I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I'm with you. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I'm just thinking maybe you're making a rather clever reference to the fact that the Doctor has changed gender. And yet, <laughs> I don't think... No, hang on. No, got that wrong. No, that wrong, yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah, so I think there was... He, he injured himself. Then next one, he, he was climbing up a ladder. And I made mention of the fact he, he can heal a lot faster. Yes. The, but it, yes. But it, nothing was really ever made of that, was it? It, it could, was just a little gimmick, wasn't it? It, it was, was oh, yeah. He looks human. He sounds human. Um, but he's not human because he heals quicker. Yeah. And you know that was it, really. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. Yeah. I. I. I think. <sighs> I don't know. Perhaps they got round to addressing his character or, or or his um his journey if you like i think that's what people will call it today a little bit late in the day uh, where he starts making calculations you know beginning of earth shock um <laughs> about how to get back to 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 east space and um you know you kind of make him feel a little bit homesick and um i mean you don't really see much impact of you know traveling the universe with the doctor you know, on Edric or all mm. his actions, he's just kind of there. Um, and when when you're trying to pull things out that are interesting, like oh, he heals a little bit quicker, it just shows how shallow I think the whole concept was uh, uh, of the character a little. But mm. you know, as I said, it sounds like I'm um, 
I am just bashing uh, <laughs> um, continually, and I, I, I don't mean to. Well, it's, it's, now you've mentioned um, Earthshock. I mean, obviously, do, I mean, do you think this is really the reason why people still sort of kind of talk about Adric because he was a competitor that got killed off? Well, it, it certainly puts him in a club of what three? Yeah, something like that. And I think, um, and I think the other two is it's debatable whether they're actually companions or not. But yeah, yeah, no, that's true. That's true. I mean, I mean, we've we've gone what twenty minutes recording without mentioning the fact that he dies. I know. Um, I think we've done so rather well, actually. That's quite good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yes, I, I think it's an interesting footnote to the end of the Adric um, run, but. Mm. Uh, whether or not it actually enhances the the stories that he's already been in when you rewatch them because you know where he's going to end up I, yeah. I i would question i don't think the fact that he dies means that he was um portrayed any differently in the stories preceding that i mean had it been intended to introduce a character that you were always going to kill off at the end of a particular journey which of course that's the way it would be done today yes it wouldn't be just done oh we need to do something let's kill him off next story or something um you know then then actually it would potentially have a different impact on the audience yeah because it was such a oh you know things happen things happen things happen oh and now he's dead I mean, the biggest impact for me was the fact that it had no music over the end credits. And it, it, it was massively affecting, don't get me wrong, the actual way it was done mm. did affect me. And I remember at the time thinking, my God, you know, broken star at the ends. It was, you know, I, I had a lump in my throat before I had my cornflakes and went to bed. <laughs> and it, was a, it, was, it was quite a quite a thing but now, doesn't no, mean that his era is any better because of it no i was going to say because i think sort of people look back at, uh, at that now and rather than saying you know it was uh, a natural conclusion to that character as, as you said it wasn't it was just sort of like oh we're going to kill him off um <laughs> i think it's sort of like it was another kind of again cynical marketing ploy by jnt to bring a bit of publicity to the to the show look we've we've just killed off a character we've got silence over the end credits and and he did get people talking don't get don't get me wrong i mean jane t was a master at, at, at generating press for doctor who i think he was better at that than he was a producer to be honest well, a, a lot of people have said he certainly had a flair for marketing but yeah uh, but then again he had very little impact over scripts uh from what i understand as well and even when he did venture an opinion he was usually overruled and he didn't really care um but <laughs> i i i don't no, um, whether it was a marketing ploy, I mean, it was certainly dramatic. Yeah, and, it, and yeah. you know, and it, it had an impact. And it's um, I, I, whether or not it was just oh, we we need to get Doctor Who back in the news. Let's uh, let's let's kill one of the regular companions. I mean, like you say, that is that is quite a cynical way of looking at it. it I'm sure it had. Um, or it played a part in the decision making process. Mm. Um, but at the same time, you you, you can't do that just to, to to get um to get publicity in all honesty i think um he had much more creative and probably expensive ways of promoting the show that usually involved getting on a plane and going to america at the taxpayer's expense yes and, uh, or, or and promoting the show yeah or wanted wanted to film abroad somewhere or and having trips yeah. to scout locations and yeah yeah, yeah. it was so, yeah. It, it was very good at that jnt so <laughs> now i mean obviously the story that follows Earthshock, Time Flight, um, and it does kind of um, sort of carry on directly 
um, from from the end of of of, uh, of yeah. Earthshock. But it, it's all done more or less in a, in a in one scene, isn't it? It's sort of like Adric's dead. Go back and save him. I can't. I'm not going to break the laws of time. Let's go do something else to take our minds off it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's it's slightly weird that, to be honest, as you say, considering yeah. that the the impact the end of Earthshock had. And in time flight, attempts to pick up that, and then just tosses that particular plot strand to one side, doesn't it? Well, I, I don't know if it tosses it aside. I, I think it's certainly um, yeah, because there's never any question that he's he's alive. You know, he, he, in time flight, he's just a, a, a memory. Yeah. Um, and it, it may have been something to do with the fact that they exited, or he exited one story. Before his contract was up, I don't know whether that's true. I'm surmising, mm. but perhaps they thought, well, let's let's just surprise people. And again, to be fair, if you want to take a cynical look at it, it's exactly the same kind of thing that um, Stephen Moffat did with uh, Matt Smith appearing in Peter Capaldi's first story. Yes, yes, and uh, that was that was a surprise, a bit of a callback, and you didn't expect to see him ever again uh, because, for all intents and purposes, that Doctor had passed. Uh, so, who knows? Um, I I don't know what the thinking was. Um, <laughs> what for time you know, flight I, in general? <laughs> well, yeah, this is it. I mean, I, I think we're looking at it. You know, thirty, forty years after it screens, um, all of the stories that have been trotted out by surviving cast and crew members have, have become so convoluted now. I don't think anybody really knows what the logical thinking was or indeed if there really was any logical thought process. I just thought they thought, well, nobody will be expecting this, you know, just after you've taken a con call back to prehistoric times. Let's let's give him a bit of a surprise. Let's 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 give him Adric. The again. ghost of Adric, yeah, exactly. The ghost yeah. of Adric, yeah. I mean it doesn't work any less well than the remainder of that story. So why <laughs> why why not have him back? Well, of course, he, he does appear again, doesn't it, at the the, the very end of yeah. Peter Davison's tenure. Um, it, it again appears as, as a hallucination in the case of Androzani. Um, and who'd have thought that the Fifth Doctor's last words would be Adric? Yeah, it's kind of... Um something that Peter Davison's has <laughs> accepted now but he does <laughs> mention it in ironic tones um, whenever someone talks about that scene yeah. uh, in, in, in caves uh, but yeah he's quite ironic um, possibly totally unjustified you know should you really d- is, is, is mind you the Fifth Doctor era is not defined by his final words in any case no but it it's became it became much more important so i mean it's almost inconceivable now that you would uh you would have something that crazy uh to, to, at the end of a um uh, an era for a doctor i mean you, you look at colin baker wasn't that carrot juice i seem to remember yes it was so you yeah. got Adric and carrot juice i'm not i'm not sure which is the least <laughs> uh least least worst but um, whereas now you get these little speeches, Matt Smith had this. Oh, I, you know, I was. I'll always remember when a doctor was me. You know, yeah. I think an old sod that. Where's your carrot juice? You know, that's that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's what you need. You need Adric. Yeah, just say Adric. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think they should make that a meme every time the Doctor regenerates from now on. He has to say Adric. So. Adric, or something along those lines. Yeah, that would be good. We were talking about Blu-rays earlier on. You can now see 
every single story that Adric featured in on Blu-ray, and he's the first companion to have that privilege. Yes. So if you you know if you put those two box sets together, you can just call them the Adric, <laughs> the Adric <laughs> journey. <laughs> now the thing is, though, I mean, obviously. Um... He's always been on the, the Matthew Warhouse on the, on the peripheries of, of fandom, um, and he has been asked back. And I've listened to these um, personally, but his character has made a return in Big Finish. Yeah. Um, but as and, and again, I've listened to this one either. But apparently, the, the first time that he um, came back, Adric came back, it was actually portrayed by Andrew Sachs. Manuel. Yes. No <laughs> and the boy that time forgot. Now, have, have you? Have you listened to that one yourself? Oh yes, yeah. yeah no, I listened to it as soon as it came out. Yeah, written by Paul Mars. Yeah. yeah. So how how does that hold up? Really, it doesn't. It doesn't. What does Not it mean? In the slightest. But I mean, um, for for those of us who haven't listened to it, do, does it do anything different with the character at all? Um, yes. Okay. I will say yes, but yeah. uh, but don't don't take that as a positive. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's. I think it's the. Uh, it's been such a long time since I've listened to it. Yeah. Um, in fact, it, I may have only listened to it on the one occasion, but it did have an impact. I think it's it's something like the second or third episode that you begin to realise this character is Adric, but he's grown up. Yeah. So he's much older. Um, and Andrew Sachs has got none of the nuances of Matthew Waterhouse. Again, normally you would say that's a bad thing, but um, you could argue that's an advantage, I think. Um, and it, it's essentially what happened to Adric next. You know, did he die in yeah. the Big Bang or, or, or didn't he? And it's, um, I mean, as with all Paul Mars stories, it's it's got a, a, a fantastical element to it. So it's, it's, it's slightly fantasy mm. um, based as well. It, it's different. It's not like any Doctor Who story, really, uh, that, w- that you can compare it to on television. And, and even for Big Finish, it was a bit of a departure at the time. Yeah, yeah, it does sound it actually. That, but that seems mm. to be a bit of a um, a Big Finish trope, really. They sort of will we'll try something different. Yeah, I didn't quite understand that. I mean, if you're going to bring him back, bearing in mind um, you normally recast a character when the original actor has died. Or, uh, usually, um, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, and as we all know, uh, Matthew Waterhouse is very much alive. Um, <laughs> and um, he's... Um, I mean, you mentioned earlier on that he's always been floating around or floating around fandom. I mean, yeah. I'm not sure he was particularly for a long time. I mean, he was, um, he was um, based in America, um, for a, a long a long time and mm. I think it was either 2011 2012 uh, he accepted an invitation to go to Gallifrey okay. and it was one of those that I was at and yeah. the guy was an absolute arse there's no other way of describing him I mean he, the, the only reason he was there was because he had his book out uh, which he was promoting and a few others as well Yeah, um, which um, again if you like that kind of writing, then they're, they're, they're worth reading because they, they're very good at doing what he sets out to do. Um, it's just that they are slightly left of field, shall we say. And he was he insisted on being interviewed by his publisher, and that meant oh. he sat on the panels and talked over him, didn't answer the question, um, and even to this day, he's still not quite got the hang of using a microphone at the events. He puts his mouth right on the microphone <laughs> and shouts. Um, he was interviewed at the BFI with Eric Saywood. I was recently. there. I oh, was you were there. there. I was there. Do you remember that? Yes. He scared the crap out of Saywood, didn't he? Because he <laughs> shouted. <laughs> 
<laughs> he shouted so close to the microphone. But he he um he he, he was not a pleasant individual. Uh, and again, I've heard anecdotally, but I've heard it enough times now from enough people close enough to Big Finish to believe it's true. Mm. It was extremely unpleasant uh, to people at Big Finish when they made uh, their original approaches. Yeah, and um, they they'd given him up for lost. So whether or not this happened at that point and they thought let's let's really twist the knife and let's recast him <laughs> or whether actually um that behavior took place a little bit later on i'm i'm not sure but he is back in the fold now yeah as it's the other thing as well because obviously the um the, re- the release of the season 19 as we've been discussing um mm. peter Dawson's first series on blu-ray um you look at the extras where matthew waterhouse is because you've got matthew waterhouse uh, Peter Davison, Sarah Sutton, Janet Fielding, and all sort of kind of been sort of moderated by Mark Strickson. Um, <laughs> What's that about? But yeah, yeah, I know it's a bit weird. That, um, but Matthew Waterhouse is there, but he's again, he's not doesn't seem to be quite joining in with the rest of them, and it appears they're not mm. letting him join in either. It's interesting, isn't it? I yeah. saw um, the new 40-minute documentary on the Castro Valvedis yes. either yesterday or the day before, and yeah. I understand exactly what you mean. I, I didn't get the feeling that the others were excluding him so much. Um, I did wonder why you would bring someone like Mark Strickson in to discuss a story that he didn't appear in and completely sideline someone who featured in it and starred in it. You know, It, it just kind of feels, once again odd um because there's no reason why matthew waterhouse couldn't have presented or hosted that mm, exactly you know, maybe, yeah. maybe they felt strixon would have done a better job but in all honesty why just have waterhouse there as a you know basically just an extra <laughs> an extra in his own documentary it, who, it did he feel like that it felt exactly like that yeah. it was just sort of you know he was there but you know it's sort of <laughs> We, we're not allowed to talk to him, you know. He's, we, we, you know, we, no. he was sort of, you know, just just uh, appearing in this scene, kind of thing, and that and that was it. It did seem very bizarre. It, it was yeah. odd. I mean, I'm I'm very much looking forward to watching the weekend with Waterhouse, which is yes. uh, a, a semi a semi sequel, I think, to Living with Levine. Yeah, um, which was on one of the Pertwee. That's um, right. Special which, editions, which was amazing, actually. Oh. It's you know what? it's, it, it, it's it, difficult it, to watch, but the thing is, I love those those kind of actors because he's quite. <laughs> I'm sorry if, if anyone's fans of, of, of John Levine. Have you ever listened to this? He's quite clearly insane. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was fascinating. It was absolutely fascinating. It really it's was. It's borderline abuse, isn't it? And Doctor Who often comes into this field. I think. I mean, do you remember a little while ago? Um, I can't remember what it was called. There was this dreadful. Um, <laughs> series uh, where it focused on hoarders people who just couldn't throw anything out whatsoever oh um, yeah was, was that, that Mr Trebus was it? he was the, the old Polish guy wasn't it who... I honestly don't know but yeah. what I do remember is that one particular um, subject was mm-hmm. a chap called Barry Right, and he well, they were filming. I mean, he's a massive Doctor Who fan, and they were filming bits for that documentary at the very first Big Blue Box convention that I attended. Oh yeah, yeah. So I, I actually appear in that documentary. Oh really? That wasn't that wasn't the reason why I mentioned it. <laughs> uh, it? It was because this guy, you know, I mean, the whole premise of the show is that you know people have a problem holding, therefore you gather, you know, all of their crap together in boxes. You know, people under the uh, banner of 
you know help mm. and getting him used to living normally again and, yeah. and selling it and uh, the point at which they were filming was that they'd boxed up all of Paul Barry's Doctor Who's stuff taken it to a convention and tried to sell it to fans oh. um, and I have to say um, it, it felt contrived and this is I'm, I'm, I'm getting to the point I want to make just a bit slowly that's all I forgot there I, was one sorry <laughs> no no there was, there was actually one there was actually one um, it, it's the fact that occasionally Doctor Who seems to feature in these self-help shows or in these um, fairly exploitative, you know, fly-on-the-wall documentaries that kind of take advantage of potential, or I would say, mental health issues. Mm. Now, I'm not sure whether I'm just saying that because we live it, you know, it's 2019, I've got a big mental health filter on now like everybody Mm. does. That's right, yeah. Or, Or whether or not actually they were slightly exploitative in nature um and i felt that john levine and whilst you absolutely hit the nail on the head you know by saying <laughs> very, you very, do lally yeah <laughs> it's a bit too direct yeah. for some people these days well, but yeah well perhaps but then again i've spent um i've spent time trying to interview the guy i've spent time speaking to him in the podcasters room in hooverville the guy is hard work okay he yeah is hard work just to speak to um i'm not sure whether that means that it's perfectly reasonable to go and film him for a weekend under the premise, you know, that he, I mean, he thinks, or Levine thought, you know, he's an international superstar. And, of course, Toby had wanted to come to film him because he's a massively interesting person who used to be in uh, in, in Doctor Who. Mm. Whereas, actually, everybody knows that everyone watching these things are going to be laughing at them. Yeah. And, 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 and the same thing with... Um, you know, Barry on this um, this reality show. It, it just felt a little bit too much. And I'm somewhat concerned that they've gone in the same direction with Waterhouse. But I'm also conscious that I've not watched it yet. So <laughs> Neither have I. Um, so we're both uh, surmising here, aren't we? And be- yeah, we'll have to come back and talk about that once we've both seen it. <laughs> we'll have to. We'll have to. Oh, dear. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I must admit, I, I mean, yeah, John Levine is one of life's eccentrics. Um, have, have you heard my idea for a convention? No, go on, go on. Oh, I've been trying to push this for years now. We need a Levine and Levine convention where (laughs) Ian Levine spends three days interviewing John Levine about every single story that John Levine appeared in with no moderation, no no censoring censoring at all. And I think that would be brilliant. I I think, James, you can have too much Levine. I'm I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I think that would be fantastic. (laughs) Well, I, I think that that's probably a, a good place to, to to end our conversation, actually, James, on, on too much Levine. So. Okay, fair enough. Okay, so thanks again for um, for joining us, and um, I look forward to getting you back on the podcast soon. That would be wonderful. Thank you very much indeed for the conversation. I enjoyed it very much. Glad to hear it. <laughs> Cheers, James. Cheers, Phil. Bye. to the Who's He podcast. Please visit our website at who's-he-podcast.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast. And please also join the Who's He podcast Facebook group. 
The Who's He Podcast is a member of the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance.